So the reading this morning is from Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you um, that you promise that your word does not return void. Um, so we want to focus in. We want to enter in. We want to press in um, to what you have for us today. I pray that my words would not be um, from me, but would be from the Holy Spirit through me. Um, and so give us ears to hear. Uh, not that we would uh, just kind of let it go in and out the other ear, um, but that we would hear and that we would allow you, Holy Spirit, um, to lead our life, uh, to bring change where change needs to be, and uh, to be more in the image of you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Well, I just want to share a little bit about myself. Some of you know me, some of you don't. Um, Brian introduced me and my wife a few weeks back. My name is Bob. And my wife, Erin, she's in the back. We have two, we have three kids, not two. We have three kids, three kids. Um, seven, five, and three, Harper's our oldest, and then Lee and Moses are two rowdy boys who get into a lot of trouble and cause my beard to grow gray in my 30s. So um, we're excited about that. We are back in the city. We lived in the city from 2008 to 2013. We worked on the northwest side at a, a local church called Windy City Community Church. Uh, I was the worship pastor there. Uh, Aaron worked downtown at John Marshall Law School, which is close to, the, uh, close to the library downtown. We loved it, had a great time, and then God called us to move on, move back uh, to Florida uh, via Mississippi for about a year and a half. Um, but Aaron's family is from Florida, and so we were living there. And then God, we were, we were ready, right? Like to, we, were, we were close to family. Kids were getting into school. We were like, okay, God, you have got us where you want us, the panhandle of Florida, beautiful <laughs> weather. Uh, we were ready to be there for a long time. And then this past Easter, you know, like you, you start the new year. I think Bam was talking about it last week in his message that you don't know what's going to happen, right? You all have plans this year. You have goals. And then things come and kind of knock you off your feet or at least just you, you don't get it. And so the church we were at, they had to restructure some salary positions. And so they let us know, hey, we, we can't keep you on anymore. And so at that point, we began just to ask God, okay, what do you have for us? And uh, I was about to graduate Moody uh, Distance Learning. And so uh, I love Moody. I love uh, everything Chicago. And I reached out to my good pal, Brian, and uh, Brian Fulton, who we've gone way back. And I just said, hey, man, this is where we are. Would you just pray for me? And he doesn't even remember this. Uh, but he literally said, why don't you come play in a church in Chicago? And, uh, and that got us thinking. Uh, immediately, my spirit was like, no, I don't know that we're built for that, um, you know, leaving Florida. So anyways, the rest of this history, it's a long story. I'd love to share it with you sometime. If you are interested in the northwest side of Chicago, um, there is a lot of work up there to be done. I, I consider that area the change implementers. Uh, a lot of police, a lot of first responders, um, a councilman, uh, people who literally can, can affect change. Um, and so the gospel is needed uh, desperately. And so if that is something that burns your heart, passions your heart, um, for that north, northwest side, come talk to Aaron. Come talk to me. We'd love to share a little bit about that 
um, and tell you a little bit more about our story. So that's, that's me, that's my family. Um, but as we talk today about emotionally healthy spirituality, and we pick back up the topic of loving well, uh, one, I think worship this morning is just set up perfectly, this idea of love, because it's focused on God's love, and it going on and on and on. And we have an amazing passage to look at this morning. Uh, I've kind of always taught uh, or, or seen it taught and been taught to me about, okay, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Like, it was very, very command-driven, but I think there's something uh, different for us to see this morning, just to experience how God, inter- uh, Jesus, interacts uh, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And uh, before we get there, as I was preparing for this message, it made me think of my nephew. So I've been sharing with you about my family. Um, a very important person in my life is my nephew. He's now 19. Uh, he, like, he was born the same week I graduated high school. My, mother, uh, my sister is a single mom. And uh, so I've been influential in his life. Uh, Dad's not really around much. And so I've seen him grow up, and I've been able to, uh, he's been able to live with us for a while. And, and so he just means a lot to me. And we talk a lot, and we share a lot. And uh, it was a little easier when he was a middle schooler to be able to share what I think. Now he's in college, and he's sharing what he thinks. And what he thinks doesn't always line up with what I think. Um, the beauty is... Um, to me, what I'm thankful for this morning is he's a believer. Um, he has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not only that, it's affecting the way that he is living. Like, he wants to live out this life. He is um, called into politics. He, he, he feels passionate about his faith and how that can shape our country and how that can shape the world. And, and that's so powerful to me. And uh, so even right here, right now, I'm just thinking about him and thankful. But in that, like, we have some differing views on how we think things work. And for me, as I think about loving well, I find ourselves, we, you know, my wife will often say, who are you texting? And it's usually my nephew, Christian. And um, we'll go back and forth. I mean, we'll text for hours. And sometimes we text so much, we don't even remember what we, we were originally texting about, right? And what I find myself doing all the time is I get, I get wrapped up into myself. And I become emotional about what I think and what I want. And I don't think about what God is doing in him. And, and I so easily will end a text conversation with just a little sadness in my spirit where, where I think, man, I wish, I wish I would have just been quiet and let him share. And that it's okay if we have a little bit different thoughts on how things need to happen, right? Um, and so that plays in, I don't, I don't know if you feel that way. I don't know um, if in your relationships you feel that way. And I want to read this quote from, from the book um, from Pete Scazzaro. And when I read this, it, it, it was just, man, it, it hit me. I was like, man, yeah, you know what, I have to confess, this is me in some of my relationships. And so as I read it, um, just let this be read over you as we continue to move in. Um, and this is what Pete Scazzaro says in uh, the Loving Well chapter. He says, I can't help but experience life with me at the center of my universe. With my eyes, I look out on the world. With my ears, I hear what is going on. I can only feel, want, and experience what I am feeling, wanting, and experiencing. I naturally want the people around me to give up themselves and become what I want them to be. I prefer those close to me to think, feel, and act toward the world in the same way I do. I prefer the illusion of sameness when really we are very different from each other. 
I want other people's world to be like mine. I even act the same way in my relationship with God, walking out my spirituality as if I am the center of the universe. You know, when I try to make my nephew like me, it's my universe. I'm the center, not him. I fail to see the value in my nephew. I I fail to see God in between that relationship. And so loving well this morning is engaging the sacred space between you and me. That's what God wants for us this morning. Loving well is engaging the sacred space between you and me. So as, as I read that quote, I don't know, uh, maybe that resonates in your life. Maybe, um, maybe you have a nephew or a family member uh, that you, you're thinking about right now. You're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I do that. Or uh, maybe a coworker, maybe um, a boss where it's, it's all about you. It's all about what you need. And you know what? What you need is righteous, like, right? right? Like, I'm, I'm, I don't want my nephew to be bad, right? Uh, I don't want my family to be bad. I have good things for them, right? That's what, that's what I tell myself. And so I, I kind of get rooted in that, and I stay in that as I seek to love well. Really what I end up doing is loving myself. And maybe it comes out in your marriage. Maybe it comes out with your kids, your neighbors. Um, and before you know it, you are the center of everything you have. You think you're fighting the good fight. You think you're, you're fighting the battle that God wants you to battle. But if we're honest, in this pursuit of loving other people well, all we're doing is loving ourselves. Well, I think um, this scripture that we've already read and that we're going to dive into, I think is, is a perfect example of Jesus loving people well. And it's not just a command. It's not just a directive for us. Um, to live out this principle, I think we get to see firsthand how Jesus interacts with people who don't love him well, right? It's easy, um, I guess I should say, it's hard enough to love people well when they love you, but what about when people don't love you? Um, As Jesus would say in the passage, love your neighbor. Your neighbor can be for you, your neighbor can be against you. It's not when your neighbor is for you, love them. It's love your neighbor. And so as we dig into this text, I just want us to see and interact with Jesus as he interacts with uh, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so we're just going to go through this a little bit, and, and I'm going to say some things. And then as we close, we're going to kind of have a time to respond and evaluate and just and, and allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us and, and to see his grace in this. And I think there's a lot of grace in this, um, in loving well. Um, but let's pick it up in Matthew 22, 34. Um, Jesus uh, here, uh, uh, as we see, is interacting with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So 34 says this, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply. Now, I just want to stop right there. And if you don't know, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, uh, they're not friends. They're kind of on opposite sides. Think, you know, they just value different things. They want people to be sold out. They want people to be devoted followers, uh, but they value different things. And then Jesus comes along, and Jesus doesn't value what either of them value. Um, Not only that, Jesus is threatening, not because Jesus wants to threaten, just because he's bringing, you know, he's Jesus, and he's got a message of hope. He's got a message of grace. They don't like it. They're about to lose power. And so this interaction that we find ourselves in 22 and, and earlier in Matthew is Jesus is in the temple and he is uh, teaching, and then the Pharisees and Sadducees begin to come to him, asking him questions, um, trying to trick him up, trying to trap him, uh, trying to uh, get people to see that he's not a real prophet, he's a false prophet. 
Um, the Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, they didn't know how to love well. Um, they thought what was sacred space was the Old Testament, was the law. And so as they interact with other people, they're not engaging God. They're engaging the law. So if you didn't, you, if you didn't fit into that mold, if, if, if you weren't living the law, then you didn't matter. They 100% weren't thinking that you were an image bearer of God, right? An image bearer, uh, as Scripture shows us, it's not about being a believer, if you are a person on earth, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you are an image bearer of God. You are made in his image, and that means you have intrinsic value. That means that you are, are worth it. That means you should be honored. That means uh, whatever you do, we should seek to love well. The Pharisees, Sadducees, they weren't doing that. And so um, the Sadducees had just tried to, to stump Jesus and and Jesus, uh, being Jesus, uh, succeeded. And the Pharisees, so now, I, I, the way I see this is the Pharisees, like, they're together, right? Like, they're in the temple together. These aren't separate examples. So the Pharisees see the Sadducees get, get stumped together. And so they meet together to question him. That's the way I see this, is they come together. These two groups, they're opposed to Jesus. And they, they honestly, they don't like each other. And what's amazing to me is that they team up and seek unity with their enemy to attack the innocent. And these are the religious leaders. These aren't like, you know, like we, we could easily find some, you know, just evil actors in the world that we go, you know, you're evil. But the, these would be the people who are, who are like, man, you know what, they're, they're trying to keep it right. And so, um, you know, when I read this, when I was studying this for me, it, it kind of hit me and I was like, man, okay, who, where, where are my alliances right now? Who am I teaming up with? Um, Am I, am I attacking the innocent, you know? I don't mean to. I don't want to. Um, but am I attacking the innocent, not knowing that I'm teaming up with the wrong people? And so uh, maybe just a word of caution just to evaluate, okay, who, who am I teaming up with? Um, am I missing uh, the real deal? Jesus, right there in front of them. So as they go on, they meet together to question him. One of them, an expert in religion, uh, religious law, try to trap him with a question. Here's what I love about this is they're all experts, like, if you're one of the Pharisees and Sadducees, like, you've devoted your life to this. They're all experts. They can't beat Jesus. So they go, okay, one more try. One more try. Let's get the best of the best out here. Um, and he can think of something. He, he's an expert in the, mo- the Mosaic law of how to live this out, uh, to bring judgment if you don't. Surely he can trap Jesus. Clearly, they are on track for loving well. Um, they're not. <laughs> and so they, they say, teacher. Uh, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. Uh, I mean, probably not the exact same situation. Um, but in the situation where you have people who don't like you, people who are against you, and the first thing they do is they come out to you and they mock you. That's, that's what this is right now. Um, the, when, they, when they address Jesus, they say, teacher. They're not going like when we declare our love here together in worship. You know, it's, it's, it's pure-hearted. It's, it's intentional. It's real. Jesus, we love you with everything we have. You are the teacher, so teach us. No, it's eh, teacher. You say you're a teacher. Okay, teach us. You, know, you can see the arrogance here. You can see just, just wanting to, to just get rid of Jesus and, and hate on Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever had a situation like that where you've kind of been opposed from the get-go. How do you love well? How do you engage? And 
um, how would you handle this situation? And, and I don't want us to miss that loving well is engaging the sacred space between you and me, and that's what Jesus does here. I think Jesus, in his interaction with the Pharisees and Sadducees, he calls them out for sure. There's a point where they, they, like, he wants to protect people from them. But I think right here he's reaching to them. I think he is, he is caring about them as well, calling them to something real which they had been missing. And so Jesus replies, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Jesus loves well here. He always meets us where we are. Wherever you are this morning, you know, if it's, if it's um, you know, insecurity, if it's, um, you know, if it is uh, being fearful, uh, if it is um, arrogance, if it is what, whatever it is in your life that you are holding on to that you, um, you need to let go of, Jesus meets you in that place. You don't have to get rid of those things to come meet Jesus. It's Jesus who transforms those things. And so Jesus meets the Pharisees and Sadducees where he is. How does he do this? He goes to the law. These are lovers of the law, the Old Testament law. And so what he does is he quotes Deuteronomy 6.5, which says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. By engaging the sacred space, Jesus has begun to show them their need to love God. They thought the need was to love the law. But that wasn't their need. So he says, this is the first and great commandment. Jesus being an emotionally healthy person, loving well, he doesn't just address their trap of a question, because he could have. He could have just shut them down, but he addresses their spiritual condition. He sees them as image bearers of God. He sees them as mattering. He doesn't just leave them. He gives them an opportunity to come out. He goes another step, though, here in Scripture. And see, I think Jesus, he always offers a way forward. And so uh, as he engages that sacred space between you and me, he says there's a second equally important commandment. Now, he could add, right? He's Jesus. He's all-knowing God. Um, you know, he, he literally could say anything he want, and it would be truth. It would be truth. But what he does is he continues to meet them where they are, and he goes back to that Old Testament where they were, where they lived. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. He quotes Leviticus 19, 18. So he uses these Old Testament quotes to meet them where they were. And Jesus goes back to that law, and Jesus unites the answer to their trap with loving God and loving others. Everything they held dear fell under these commandments. And Jesus kind of um, he, he finishes this out, and he, and he puts it in, in right standing. He says, the entire law and all the demands, this is verse 40, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. See, Jesus, engaging with these lawmakers and the lawmakers and the, or the law doers, the law uh, keepers, um, they're supposed to be the ones who, who are right and standing, and they do the right thing, and they make sure you do the right thing, and if you don't do the right thing, they're going to call you out. But what Jesus sees is Jesus reveals that the Pharisees and the Sadducees weren't keeping the law at all. They were missing it all together. They weren't loving God, and they weren't loving people. He flips the script. He didn't best his enemies. See, he's Jesus, right? At the very beginning, he could have just said, I mean, very aggressively, he could have just been, hey, you fool, get out. 
And he even had the power to command that, and they would have done it. But he engages the space between you and me, the sacred space, and he gives them an opportunity. Loving well is engaging the sacred space between you and me. So how do we engage this morning? What do we do with this text? Um, what, what does God have for us? Because as I read that quote at the beginning, you know, I, I feel in certain places of my life, man, I feel pharisaical. I, I resonate with the Sadducee. You know, in my interaction with my nephew, I want him to be like me, even if what I want is good and right. But that's not loving well. That's not engaging our community. So how do we engage? Well, maybe the first step for you this morning is to engage the sacred space between you and God. Maybe you don't know Jesus where you are right now. Uh, maybe you're not a believer. You're, you don't have faith in Jesus, and you're here, which is amazing and wonderful, and you're welcome, and we love you. But I just want to give you four things, four truths from Scripture um, of what God wants for you. One is that he loves you. John 3.16, right? God for so, for so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever, all people, would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The next one is that you've sinned. We've all sinned. You've sinned and are separated from God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the next one is that Christ Jesus died and rose again for the forgiveness of your sins. He's taken that. He's taken control of that. And how do you access that? How do you, how do you be in Jesus? By faith, you can trust in Jesus. And so if that's you, if, if you're in that space, man, I invite you to engage Jesus right now where you are. Begin to be honest with him and confess and just share where you are and, and, and know that, you know, there's not a magical switch. There's not this like, man, you know, okay, cool, now I'm saved. Um, but just be honest with where you are. I invite you this morning to the God who loves well, um, who loves better and more perfectly than, than any uh, person or thing on this world. Uh, maybe where you are this morning is realizing, kind of like I realized at this, this, in this study, is, is that you haven't allowed there to be space, sacred space between you and others. Uh, you haven't allowed, you know, you, ha you haven't really been thinking and, and engaging God in your relationships. You come to church, you come to your gospel community group, um, you, you uh, come to prayer at the, at the beginning of service, you, you serve in kids' men or worship team, or you come to Alpha, you, you do these things for God, but in our everyday relationships, once, once those things are done, we, we kind of compartmentalize our life. Maybe that's you. And you know what? I call you this morning to confession. Right where you are with your heart and your mind, confess to God. Maybe... Maybe you've been treating relationships like an I-it relationship instead of an I-thou. And the difference there is an I-it, you treat people like objects uh, to get what you need. Um, that can play out in your marriage where, um, yes, you love your wife, but uh, as long as she is allowing you to do what you want to do, you're good. Uh, but as soon as she challenges that, right, she has no place. She has no fit in your life. That could be a boss. That could be uh, a professor. That could be... Um, your friends, I-it relationships, instead of I-thou. I-thou recognizes the deity, the image that has been placed on all people, the value that has been placed on all people. And so I invite you to confess this morning. Um, and here's what I want to say is, if, if you find yourself in that place and, and you're honest enough to say, 
excuse me, if you're honest enough to say that, you know what, in certain areas of my life, I have been the center of my universe. I want you to hear this amazing encouragement, which is the grace of Jesus is bigger than your universe. Okay? So be honest. It's the first step. Jesus wants to meet you in your confession this morning. And not only that, it is the power of overcoming for a person who is in the grace of Jesus that is through confession. If you want change, if you want to be new, if you want to be different, if you want to love well, confess. It's good. So maybe one, it is salvation, it is belief. Two, maybe where you are is just needing to confess. And then three, maybe it's work. That's a dirty word in our culture, right? Work. I feel like in our society, in our country, everything we do is to get rid of work, right? We create robots for it now. We have kids for it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, everything we do, right, it's, 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 it's we become a culture, honestly, we've rebelled against the fast-paced culture, which is good, right? We don't need to go, go, go. But we're, there's a danger of neglecting good, hard work. And you can find peace. You can find Sabbath in the good, hard work. There is work to be done. Maybe you are engaging the sacred space between you and me, but there's an opportunity to work to establish more consistent rhythms. You know, for me, the other day, it was talking to my neighbor, and, and I've been very aware as a church planner, like, right, like, like, I'm here to plant a church. I'm here to love my community. I'm here to, to love on my neighbors. And, and it just kind of caught me off guard. I was walking inside and, and kind of busy and focused. And my neighbor, Matt, he comes and says hi. And I'm like, hi. And we kind of engaged a little bit. And it was just very natural for me to ask. I didn't know what he did yet because he kept coming and going during, this, during all the cold storm. And, and so he, he said, hey, I'm an engineer at a school. And like, we talked about that. And then he said, hey, what do you do? And it tripped me up. And... I'm a pastor, right? But like, I didn't, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared to engage him in a conversation. And so it kind of just ended there. And God's gracious, and he's going to continue to build on that for sure. But I can't help but feel like if I would have uh, engaged a little more in the spirit to be ready to, in, to seek the sacred space in between him and me, I could have been more prepared to engage him even in his faith. It's not just about what I do. It's about what I am, my position in Christ. Um, so that's just for me. Um, but here's what I want to say is genuine love leads to God manifested. Genuine love leads to God manifested. For a believer, genuine love, you are the hands and feet of God. And so as you love God well, God flows through that. God shows up. And so if you're waiting for God to show up, I want to say stop waiting and get to work in the grace of Jesus Christ. Right? You're not working to earn his love. You're not working to get his faith, or, or I should say, uh, his grace, right? We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace, by faith. We boast in Christ alone, but we have been saved for work. So don't be afraid of that. Um, you know, I think in this command that he does give to the, to the Pharisees and Sadducees that I, I think would be worth us applying to our life, our life is that it is simple. It is simple. Love others as you love yourself. I've heard this taught more like, hey, you need to figure out how to love yourself before you can love others. And you know what? There's truth to, to finding balance in your life and making sure that you are healthy and making sure that you know yourself for sure. This is not like you shouldn't do that. But I think we miss and we make it harder than what it is because I think what it's really saying is, hey, as you love yourself, like that whole natural thing that we all do, like we're all clothed right now, 
then clothe other people, right? Do you feed yourself? You get hungry, right? And so you just naturally feed yourself. Feed other people. Do you seek rest and downtime? Then offer to help others so that they can have rest and downtime. Do you hire, this is real practical, do you hire a babysitter so you can go out on a date night? Then be a babysitter to another couple so that they can go out on a date night. Do you seek to improve your financial situation? Then live generously and help other people improve their financial situation. As you love yourself, love others. That's the work we have for us. And it becomes very simple. There's not really guesswork to it. Most of us, we, we, we just naturally do those things, right? We, we see the gas tank empty, we pull in, we fill it up. So engage the sacred space and think of maybe somebody else who needs a, a gas tank. It's that simple. Um, and so uh, imagine in our city, real quick, just imagine in our city what, what could be different if we loved well, if we engaged the sacred space between you and me, if we made this a habit, if we really just confessed where we were and, and our life is about us and, and we can be very self-centered at times, and, and these are for faithful people. Please don't hear me say you're not being faithful, you're not pursuing God, I'm not pursuing God, but at the same time, if I'm honest, I see that in me and I see that first quote that we read to each other. Uh, but there's another quote, and it's towards the end of the chapter, An Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, where Pete, uh, Peter Scazzaro writes, one of the greatest gifts we can give our world is to be a community of emotionally healthy adults who love well. Greatest gift that we can give is to be emotionally healthy and love well. So in your life, you know, are you single? What does that mean? What are the interactions that you have? Uh, where are you in life? Are you, are you um, able to reach out and spend more time with your coworkers? Are you able to um, be at a school here locally and you're in college and God has given you the amazing freedom to just love well everywhere you can, anywhere you can? Your marriage, you're married. And, and what does that mean for you to love well in your marriage, uh, to, to let go of a self-centeredness of will I be taken care of? But imagine two spouses who seek to love well, who seek to embrace the sacred space between each other. It's no more about, well, I need to make sure I get mine and I need to make sure I get mine and we seek a win-win. But no, we are willing to lose so that the other one will win. And if we're both willing to lose and we lay it down in these hard conversations, well, what choices do we make? Well, babe, I want you to win. Well, babe, I want you to win. The true win-win. Your families. What about your church, right? Like, what about here right now? And there's, there's kids upstairs and we embrace and we engage and we serve. Um, are you coming and are you sitting and are you devouring, which is good, but what are you doing with that? Is God calling you to move? And I, and I encourage you to get to, to a place of discomfort with that. If, if prayer makes you nervous, show up and, and, and come to the prayer time. You know, if kids make you nervous, show up. God, God needs you. I should say our kids need you and, and how God has made you. You are worthy. You have the image of God on you. You have something to bring to the table. Uh, maybe you can get up and read scripture. Maybe you can serve communion. Maybe you can show up and pray for somebody. Maybe you can simply be a welcome. This morning in our prayer time, uh, we were praying, and, and what God made me think of is the unexpected ways that God shows up in a church service, and I think it's not during the preaching time or the music time or the prayer time or communion. It's simply during the five-minute party when you shake someone's hand, and you will never know the impact that your handshake had over someone's life. Like literally you could shake the next D.L. Moody's hand 
and that's what brought them to faith. That's the kind of stuff when we, when we love well, when we embrace that sacred space. And so I encourage you to do that this morning. Uh, I want us to go into a time of prayer. Um, and as the band comes up, they're going to sing over us before we respond. And um, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Not, there's nothing super spiritual about this, just, just a way to focus. And what I want us to do is just, I want to give you a space right here before we respond as a body, before we, we, we get up and do communion and do prayer. All those things are wonderful, and that is a part of what's happening today, 100%. But right here where you are, just you and God. How do you respond to what God, what Jesus has done in this passage? He showed us how to love well. He showed us that we need to engage in the sacred space. Do you need to believe this morning? Maybe you need to confess this morning. And maybe you need to work this morning. So just take a moment. Let the Holy Spirit illuminate in your heart and in your mind those things. Listen to the words sung over you. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to close this, close this time uh, with the prayer that's at the end of this chapter uh, that is real and true. At least for me it is. And then we're going to move into corporate response. Just a couple minutes. Spirit, break out in this place. Break our walls down. Reveal to us the areas of self-centeredness, the, the areas where we have been the universe. We have been our, our focus. And Holy Spirit, bring encouragement in this place for those who may feel the heaviness of loving well, the, what feels sometimes like the overwhelming, just evil in this world and hate in this world, and oppression in this world, that the greatest thing we can give our community is to be emotionally healthy adults who love well. Thank you that you are the one who loves well and that we can love well because you first loved us well, Jesus. Jesus, we believe in you and you alone 
Holy Spirit, through your power, we confess to you, God, that we have been the center of our universe. We don't want that. We don't want a world where we love ourselves well because that leads to death that leads to hurt, that leads to pain, that leads to not honoring you. And then, Holy Spirit, we know we need to work. But not a work that is legalistic, not a work that is our faith, not a work that says this makes us right with God, but no, because of our belief, because of our, our salvation, because of our redemption, we are your hands and feet. So we love well. Holy Spirit, you do that in this place. Listen to this prayer from the book. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. I am aware, Lord, of how often I treat people as its, as objects, instead of looking at them with the eyes and hearts of Christ. Lord, I have unhealthy ways of relating that are deeply embedded in me. So please change me. Make me a vessel to spread mature, steady, reliable love so that people with whom I come in contact sense your tenderness and your kindness. Deliver me from false peacemaking that is driven by fear. Lord Jesus, help me to love well like you. Grow me, grow us, I pray into an emotionally mature adult through the Holy Spirit's power. In Jesus' name, the only one who brings healing and redemption and newness. In your name. In your name. It's true.